This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey there, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. And I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim. I'm a small animal veterinarian and dyed-in-the-wool cat lover. So today, it is spring, so I want to talk about kittens because kittens are one of the highlights of spring for me. And so I have invited my friend, Dr. Courtney Campbell, to come and chat with us today. Dr. Courtney and I had the pleasure of co-authoring a book on infectious disease with a focus on prevention. So I thought he might be a perfect guest to join us to talk about what a kitten needs. What does a kitten really need to stay healthy? So we'll be right back with Dr. Courtney Campbell after a quick break. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hey there, and welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. I have with me Dr. Courtney Campbell. Hey, Dr. Courtney. Hi, Dr. Brim. I am so energized about this opportunity to talk about prevention. I know everybody out there is thinking, you know, I can't remember what the ratio is, but if you're thinking it's an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, you're right. I honestly think the ratio is probably more more dramatic than that, but I couldn't be more sort of spirited about the idea of prevention. Let me be honest about something. I think veterinarians are great. Veterinary healthcare team is wonderful. And as a surgeon, I think it's incredible. But if you never need me, if you never need to come to me, that would be awesome because that means that um, your preventative strategies and early detection strategies have paid off. So let's talk about prevention. So uh, in fairness, you hopefully you'll never need me for any illness or any sickness. Well, um, I just want all my listeners to know you'll always need me. Yes, absolutely. Because because I'm the preventive care doctor. And I think the point of this whole podcast is that I think Dr. Courtney and I share in the mission of getting our listeners good information because there's so much stuff out there. I think people just don't know what to believe. And I think that the bottom line is, yeah, prevention, even if you convert it to the metric system, which I don't know how an ounce of prevention <laughs> and a pound of cure would convert. Exactly. Right, exactly. <laughs> but okay. the point is the Gram same. Gram and kilogram. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I think maybe the number one most important thing when someone adopts a kitten is including their veterinary health care team. Would you agree? 100%. First and foremost, if you have recently adopted a kitten, 
congratulations. Your life is about to change for the better. It's such an incredible experience. In full disclosure to everyone out there, I wish I could do it. But right now, I'm trying to figure out a way to get around my cat allergies. But I would adopt a kitten in a heartbeat. So number one, congratulations. But number two, get your healthcare team, your veterinary healthcare team involved in your cat's care early. And then that way, as you work through, because ultimately you're the best steward of your new kitten's care, right? But having your veterinary healthcare team with you along the journey is going to make it so much better. You know, Dr. Courtney, I have cat allergies now too. You do? Oh no. Yeah. I'm sorry. That so, makes two of us. Um, it's a challenge, um, but I have learned working with my allergist to make it work. But yeah. So, okay. Here's the thing I think a lot of people, I want a lot of people to know. A kitten as young as two weeks of age needs to have some preventive care like parasite deworming, parasite protection. And that would need to come from a veterinarian. Don't you agree? 100%. We are in a constant battle, a constant battle about uh, from the organisms and pathogens that you simply can't see. I like to call them the invisible enemy. And so because of that, you it's going to be supremely important to prevent them from robbing your cat of vital nutrients. I don't know if you've ever seen a kitten eating or at feeding time, but it is like a full contact sport around other kittens. They try to get in as much food as they possibly can because their bodies are growing so incredibly fast. And one thing that can certainly rob them of vital nutrients and just overall health is go are going to be parasites. And there's a lot of them out there. Everything from roundworms, hookworms, whipworms, giardia, fleas, ticks, you know, all the rest. Dr. Prim, are there certain, obviously there are, every parasite is important to prevent, but are there others that really seem to climb to the top of your list? You know what? There are. And I'm glad, I'm glad you kicked the ball back to me because <laughs> I see some kittens that are actually dying from coccidiosis wow. and coccidia is not a worm per se. It is not covered by the dewormer that your breeder gave. It's not covered by the dewormer you picked up at the feed store. It is a parasite that isn't a worm. So absolutely having your veterinarian check your kitten's stool and not just say, oh, well, he's been dewormed. I think a lot of, of breeders and rescues say, well, he's done with his deworming and he's done with his shots. But Truth be told, by the time you adopt the kitten, he couldn't be done because of the age requirements. Can you speak to that a little bit? Certainly, I could speak to the age requirements when it comes to, number one, when you bring your kitten to a doctor, number one, they're going to want to do some routine things, right? So it goes beyond vaccines. It goes beyond, you know, parasite control. Those are vitally important. We're about to talk about the schedule, but just understand that a lot happens, right? And so a veterinarian is using their decades of experience to look at things and just listen to your cat's heart and lungs, just to want to make sure that there's no congenital abnormalities. They're going to feel their abdomen. They're going to check your cat's hair coat. You're, they're going to expect the eyes, the ears, the mouth. They're going to look inside your cat's mouth, looking at doing a dental checkup early is absolutely key. And then yes, please call your veterinarian and ask, should I bring in a stool sample? Because let me be honest about something. Not all samples are created equal. If I certainly had a cat parent who said to me, I have a stool sample from four days ago versus one from this morning, 
that's going to be different. That's going to be incredibly different. And so I think it's really important to talk about that. And then also talk about, you know, when should my cat's vaccines start? Now, you think, well, does the timing really matter? And it couldn't be more important. This is so critical if we just slow down. When should we begin the schedule? And the key there is it's all about maternal antibodies. We want to find that ideal window, that ideal window where maternal antibodies that mom has given those kittens to protect her for life, when those start to decline, and then when the pathogens, those enemies out there in the environment, start to be exposed to your cat's body. And that window is right when you want to start the vaccine schedule. And so for veterinarians, it's really important to talk to your veterinarian and find out when do you recommend, when do you find that ideal window? And when they say this is the time, that's when you come in. Dr. Prim, for you personally, where is that ideal window? Well, you know, it depends a little bit on the vaccine that your veterinarian has chosen, but there are vaccine guidelines that are published by the American Animal Hospital Association. And I am an American Animal Hospital Association member and I have an accredited practice. So we follow those vaccine guidelines as closely as we can, you know, within the owner's schedule. But that is a really good resource for cat lovers because I think that for whatever reason, we've been scared scared about vaccines. And these kittens need these vaccines. It's not something to be afraid of. Your veterinarian will answer your questions. Yeah, no doubt. And I love the fact that you said, listen, it depends. It depends on the vaccine. It depends on your cat's lifestyle. It depends on obviously following AHA guidelines is absolutely ideal. And so for me, I love the fact that that's the case, because what that tells us is this is not a cookbook right? We are, you know, vaccinating according to their lifestyle and according to their exposure levels, right? So when we talk about that ideal window, we really don't want to do this, you know, at least according to AHA guidelines, any earlier than six weeks of age, right? And then we talk about vaccine schedules, depending upon the veterinarian, every three to four weeks of age, right? And so there's also discussions about rabies vaccinations. And I personally feel that it's so important to protect cats against rabies, particularly those cats who are indoor-outdoor or live indoor-outdoor lifestyles based upon where I've grown up my entire life, both on the East Coast and then obviously practicing on the West Coast. There are predators and there are wildlife that are constantly threatening indoor-outdoor cats' lifestyle. So I think it's critically important to prevent. But then also those kittens and cats who are indoor only. Certainly, things can happen where cats can escape go outside, be exposed to wildlife. And if that happens, again, I certainly want them protected against rabies as well. So I think it's vitally important that number one, you understand you're looking for that ideal window. Number two, it depends on the vaccine and the veterinarian. Have We have a conversation. And then number three, there's guidelines, the AHA guidelines that help guide that. And then of course, it is going to be about their lifestyle, vaccinating according to their lifestyle. 
Okay. So I think we've covered a lot of really important things with parasites, of course, and vaccination. But another important thing that I think is still out there is feline leukemia. And I know I recommend for all of my kittens that we test for feline leukemia because a lot of rescue groups are unable to afford to test the entire litter. And they maybe test the mom or they maybe test one of the litter mates. And I think each kitten needs to be tested. Do you have an opinion on that? No, I, I completely agree. I, you know, I had a, I've had some challenges. I've had some real challenges where there's been some tragic stories where you have a family who is just so energized about their brand new kitten and they, you know, are excited about a life together with their new cat and their cat unfortunately gets in a fight outside and contracts uh, feline immunodeficiency virus FIV puts them at risk higher risk for FELV and um, now we have a cat who has FELV and the challenge there is knowing all right what's going to be that cat's lifestyle what's the prognosis for that what is will my cat be able to live a normal life and that's why I certainly think it's critically important that these cats get retroviral testing as early as possible with their veterinarian. And that way you have a better idea as to what kind of lifestyle should I expect with my cat? Uh, what's the vaccine schedule and, and how to proceed from there? But I think that's vitally important. And that's one of the critical roles of a veterinarian is to make sure that your cat gets the, the required testing uh, so that you know, you know the health status of your cat immediately. So your veterinarian is wants to see your kitten, wants to test your kitten's blood, and wants to test your kitten's poop. So be ready for that if you have just adopted a kitten. So there are some things that I think people with kittens need to start on to educate the kitten. And so I want to kind of talk about, you know, litter box and tooth care and handling a kitten in all these different ways. Could you maybe weigh in on that for us? Well, you know, it is interesting. You know, the reality is it is one of those situations where right off the bat, we mentioned that, you know, bringing a kitten into your house is going to be such an incredibly life-changing experience. I have seen just even as a child myself and even as an adult, a spark in a child's eye or a spark in a family's eye, particularly during the times where we just lived through these past two years of, of upheaval and stress and anxiety and people are welcoming cats in their life. And that spark is amazing to see because what that tells me is that they are all hands on deck. They're 100% dialed in on focused on making sure that this new home, this new experience is safe for their cat. And so right off the bat, I always believe in kitten proofing your home. You can, of course, provide litter boxes that your cat has preferences for. But as I mentioned earlier, what you don't want is to ever need a surgeon. What you don't want is to ever need emergency care. What you need is Dr. Prim because Dr. Prim is an excellent, you know, and you, you need, you need a prevention doctor. So I would say just as from a surgical standpoint, from an emergency doctor standpoint, from the things that I've seen is you absolutely just want to keep all your windows closed in your cat. Make sure you keep your kittens off of balconies. Uh, make sure you remember that cats, they love to explore. They can get into your disinfectants. Of course, keep like toilet lids closed because I've certainly heard about some tragic stories where kittens can fall in and get it trapped in that manner. And of course, I have removed a fair amount of plastic material from the intestines of cats, along with 
chords and string and things like that. So I always recommend before you're leaving the house for prevention standpoint, check the house and make sure that you have kitten proofed your home or cat checked, making sure that you, you know, your cat hasn't been accidentally locked into a room or locked into a closet. Uh, make sure that there's no electrical cords around that your kitten can, yeah, that your kitten can chew on. And, and of course, you and I could probably have an entire podcast just about toxic plants alone. But it's so critical that you look at a list of plants that are toxic. My mom personally loves lilies. She loves daffodils, but she doesn't have any cats. So that's okay. But uh, certainly if you do have cats, all species, all species of lilies that are dangerous to them. So um, when it comes to kitten proofing your home, as you can tell, I'm really passionate about it. I've got an entire list of things. When it comes to litter boxes, Dr. Prim, are you still of that schedule or that equation where you should have as many litter boxes as you have cats plus one? Is that pretty much your formula? Absolutely. And you don't think of litter box as a really good thing, but the more litter boxes that you have, especially in a multi-cat home, the less likelihood that there's going to be a silent territory dispute and anything you can do to keep inappropriate elimination, you know, going outside the box, anything that you can do is an investment in your relationship with your cat and your rugs. Yeah, no doubt. Cats are very distinguished and regal creatures. They love privacy when they're eliminating. And so, you know, if you have a kitten or you have a cat, just remember that um, most cats, <laughs> what's amazing about them is that they will instinctively use the litter box. Most of them will. There's no training required like it is for a new puppy. And they do like privacy and elimination. So when they're eliminating, so, you know, try not to interfere with your cat while that's happening. Uh, just let them sort of relax when they void so that that can be a good experience. Otherwise, that could have implications in the future for inappropriate elimination, which is one of the most common reasons why cats are relinquished to shelters is inappropriate elimination. So you don't want that, to be honest, you don't want it to end that, that part to be your fault because you disturb them. And then try to keep the litter box as clean as you can. I know we're all super busy, but remove any soil litter if you can. And of course, place the box in a quiet location. I know that there's some cats that like a covered litter box versus an open litter box. There's cats that like more gravel litter versus the dusty litter. And as Dr. Prim just said, in my opinion, I certainly think that more than one litter box is really is really critical. But what if your cat doesn't immediately take to the litter box? You know what I mean? What happens there? You know, is there is there training that's involved? And the reality is, yeah, maybe there's some kittens who aren't taking to it immediately. But if that happens, just watch your kitten carefully, particularly when she wakes up from a nap or after meals, because what you can do is simply take your kitten place her in the litter box each time she shows that she's thinking about using the bathroom. And when she's finished using the bathroom, of course, you know, a positive reinforcement goes a long way. So after she's done eliminating, she gets a treat or she gets a lot of praise. And then that uh, level of training can progress pretty rapidly. But let's be clear, you definitely don't need that intense training like little puppies require. And cats are opinionated, even as kittens. And so they might like a certain type of litter box. They may not like climbing into one they, with high walls, or they may not like a certain type of litter. And you got to respect that because that's a cat. 
I mean, when you've got a cat, you've got an opinionated friend. So, you know, I had a client ask me the other day about declawing and declawing is not something that we do at our animal hospital. And so I want all of these potential cat adopters or new cat parents to know that we are moving away from the declaw. And, and can you speak on that a little bit? Most definitely. You know, there's, there's a reason why. Several counties all across the nation are banning and outlawing declawing, and that is because there's a huge contingent of people who are starting to really wrap their minds around what a declaw actually means, what a declaw actually is, and I'm certainly here to just describe exactly what it is so that people know. Now, obviously, there are people who are listening who may have different opinions on that. And I think it's really important, at least before you form an opinion on it, is to know exactly what it is, right? And that is the distal aspect or the the tips of the fingers are actually being cut off right? It is not just the nail. It's not just getting like a nail clipper and clipping the nails super short. It is actually removing parts of the fingers themselves. And so I certainly endorse anybody who is saying, you know what, I'm going to talk to a trainer. I'm going to talk to a veterinary behaviorist. I'm going to talk to Dr. Prim. I'm going to talk to a veterinary healthcare professional to find out what alternatives do I have before going to something as extreme as declawing and and basically saying in your mind, committing yourself to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to even consider that as an option. I'm going to see a veterinary healthcare professional right off the bat to find out what I can do from a behavioral standpoint to get this issue, whatever the issue is, in a better light. And I, I would certainly say using your veterinary healthcare team as a resource to help with behavioral issues is going to be the key for that. So just number one, let's wrap your mind around exactly what it is. Number two, understand that we as veterinarians and counties and and, and municipalities are absolutely outlawing it or moving away from it. But then number three, more importantly, there are families out there who are like, what am I going to do? My cat scratching is really causing major issues in my house. I've got to figure out something. And my first answer is talk to your veterinary healthcare team right off the bat and find out if there's resources that can help you. Just as an aside though, I think that a lot of people say, you know, should I get a scratching post or something like that? And I say, contrary to popular belief, like cats don't really use scratching posts to like sharpen their claws or anything like that. They actually use it for exercise and sort of like clean their nails and and mark their territory and things like that. And so, and of course, leave a scent. So what I would say is if you're looking at prevention strategies, if you're thinking, I don't want to have to relinquish my cat. I don't ever want to have to consider doing something as extreme as a declaw or things like that. Get a scratching post, get one early. So your cat can use that scratching post for exercise. They can use it to, to sort of clean their nails and mark their territory. And then they won't use your uh, expensive leather couch. So you may know this, but I read an article that when a cat stretches like that, like they would on a scratching post, it actually releases dopamine, the chemical of well-being. It actually is something that they do like people do yoga. 
That's so, incredible. That's that absolutely cool? incredible. You mentioned that cats are opinionated. I was about to say that that's probably why they get along so well with humans, but because <laughs> we're very similar. But now that I hear that scratching pose, that stretching releases dopamine, just like yoga. Well, then there's another similarity there too. And that makes us even more similar. You know, listen, we're all just a planetary tribe of mammals, man. We're so similar. And the more every day I find out something else that makes that human animal bond just so strong. So this is a new one. Cat scratching post is like feline yoga. I love it. I loved it too. I was like, okay, I can use this information. So I hope all my listeners can use the information that we have exposed them to today. I wanted to reiterate that there are published vaccine guidelines available from the American Animal Hospital Association, and they have a portion of their site that is pet owner friendly. You can do your own research and then ask your veterinarian about what you have found. And I believe their website, I don't, do you know their website. I think it's aha.org, but I'm not sure. You are 100% right. You have committed that website to memory. It is absolutely aha.org, but you know, you could certainly use the Google machine and figure that part out to aha.org with vaccine guidelines. And that should come up instantly. They've got printable guidelines, printable PDFs. They break it down. They make it super simple. Of course, they give context and background and information. If that's more your speed, if that's not your speed, they have charts that you can just follow along and make sure that your veterinarian and your veterinary healthcare team are adhering to those guidelines. Another resource that I think is pretty cool, and I use it myself, is the Companion Animal Parasite Council, because they do these really cool uh, regional parasite screens. And they send me an email that says, hey, we're seeing a lot of this parasite in your area or whatever. And I think that pet owners certainly could take advantage. And I think that one's capsi.org, but you could also Google Companion Animal Parasite Council. Yeah, no doubt. It is really critical. As I mentioned, you know, when I was in uh, Connecticut, of course, we saw just a different set, a different set of invisible enemies. Right? And now that um, mainly in the central coast of California, you see a completely different set, a completely different lifestyle. So understanding regionally endemic areas where parasites, you know, have this ebb and flow. I think that's really critical. Thank you for that resource. Uh, thank you for bringing that up and mentioning that resource. That is really, really important. Okay. So while my listeners are Googling, tell how they might be able to find out more and follow you and learn more about what you're doing. Oh man, that would be awesome. I'd love to say hi to people. We'll have a conversation online. Of course, anybody who wants to reach out or have a conversation or just learn more. And uh, please check me out at Dr. Courtney DVM. I'm here. I'm absolutely would love to chat. Just give me a follow. Also, drcourtneydvm.com. Just check me out on my website as well. But certainly you can find me on socials, all the major platforms, of course, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and, and LinkedIn. And yeah, I'd love to uh, love to see you there. And if you follow me, I follow him. So you <laughs> you could use me to cyberstalk him as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is awesome. And like I said, because of the because of the time difference, because we live such busy lives, you know, I, I will be honest, when I was initially jumped into socials and social media, I wasn't necessarily a fan really, really young. But as time has gone on, when I get to follow awesome people like Dr. Prim and just see what things are, things see what things are happening, you know, all over the nation and incredible people doing really 
powerful things with animals. It is important. So please, everybody in that cat loving community, follow Dr. Prim, say hi to me on socials so that we can all just share in the love and celebrate our love of cats. Yeah. And be inspirational, which is what you are to me and what I try to be to all of my listeners. So thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day, being on call and everything that you have going on to talk with me. Well, it's been a lot of fun. Like I said, I couldn't imagine any other place where I'd rather be is having conversation with you. And I hope we get to do it again really soon. Absolutely. Now, of course, I want to thank my amazing producer, Mark Winter, because he is awesome. And I want all of my listeners to go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLightRadio.com.